Is it possible to gain weight even after you're dead? Now we take a look at an old conspiracy. I'm surprised it's actually back. People have been talking about it recently. Why can't we dig today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend that is coming up. Unless you're listening to this episode on some Wednesday in the year 2025, and then hope it's a good Wednesday. Let's go ahead and welcome into Dead Rabbit Command one of our newest Patreon supporters. Walking in right now, give it up for hips. Woo, yeah, come on in, hips. Shake those you as you're walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Hips, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. It really, really does. And look at this awesome fan art we have for today. What a really cool drawing. That is from the one and only longtime supporter of the show, longtime fan art Friday contributor, Rudy Jazz. It's a picture of... I guess who at this point we should just call Dead Rabbit. I never thought that the logo might have a name, but Dead Rabbit with a voodoo theme. Really, really love that artwork, Rudy. Really, really cool. Hips, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to glide all the way out to Alabama. Didn't think about it. Probably should have taken the Jason Jalopy. We're going to do a lot of driving, so maybe hang glide right into the Jason Jalopy. We'll get this bad boy started. First off, let's head... Oh, I got to do the sound effect. <laughs> Hips, drive us out to Coleman County, Alabama. And right off of Highway 31 North is a place known as Cry Baby Hollow. Now, back when this area was first being settled by settlers, there was a family in an old wagon. (laughs) Well, back then it was a new wagon, but to us it was like an old-timey wagon. You have like the cloth cover and the big wooden wheels and a horse pulling it. Hopefully, hopefully the dad doesn't have a strap to his shoulders and he's been like, oh man, how many more states do we have to go to? California, what? Oh man. Pulling this wagon. This family in this wagon is crossing this wooden bridge when all of a sudden... The wheel snaps off. It's the thing that rappers have been warning us about this whole time. The wheels fall off. (laughs) And apparently, maybe this wagon didn't. Maybe this wagon wasn't a stereotypical wagon. It didn't have the cloth covering because apparently there was a baby on board. This is the origin story for those signs. You didn't know? There was a baby on board this wagon. And when the wheel broke, the baby rolls off the wagon and falls into the creek. I'm going to warn you right now, this segment involves a lot of ghost kids. This band, but they were normal kids and then they died. It's pretty grim, but this is a fascinating phenomenon. I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, unfortunately, we have covered babies drowning on this show, but Baby rolls off the wagon into the creek and drowns. To this day... When you're in this area late at night, you can hear the sound of a baby crying as you're driving over the bridge. (laughs) You're listening listening to your baby crying CD, that new grunge band. 
this is a phenomenon. That's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. That's just the setup. Because you're like, oh man, this is totally common. It is. This is a very common phenomenon. All over the country, you can find crybaby bridges. Really all over the world. And I think there is a rational explanation to that. I think it has to do with the water. I don't necessarily think it's always paranormal. I think it's water rushing under a bridge. Creates this kind of echo effect. Tied into an urban legend, you already have a heightened fear because you're in an area where, where a baby rolled off a wagon. You're like, oh, I don't want that to happen to me. I think that's a natural phenomenon because we see a lot of stories. Like I said, there are crybaby bridges everywhere. And you have to wonder after maybe, I don't know, the third or fourth baby dying in a bridge accident. I don't know, maybe strap the baby down to something. But that's not what we're focusing on because, again, it's a very, very common phenomenon. This is a phenomenon I have only seen in Alabama. I was going through this really cool website, theshadowlands.net. A lot of you guys are really familiar with it. It's an old website. Luckily, they're still up. And it's just tons of ghost sightings. Now, I read about ghost stuff all the time. Ghost stuff is my number one favorite paranormal phenomenon. I love UFOs and Bigfoot, stuff like that. But ghosts are my favorite. I've seen ghosts. I used to be a ghost hunter. I Technically, I still am. I just don't do a lot of field work. I've never seen anything like this in my years of researching. And Alabama specifically has this over and over again. Now, you could say it's the urban legend just spreading to different communities. But let's go ahead and get into what I'm talking about. If you go to Crybaby Hollow, you can hear the baby crying in the water. And if you leave a candy bar on the bridge and walk away, and then you come back, there's a bite taken out of the candy bar. And you go, Jason, Jason, no duh, no duh. You're going to leave candy out at night. You walk away for a couple of minutes, like a raccoon could get it. Sure, possible, right? That would be the rational explanation. Well, Hips, go ahead and drive us out to Clanton, Alabama. This time we're going to a place that is specifically called Crybaby Bridge. And this story, this origin story, was on a foggy night during a war. There's no, there's no specific one. It could be any of them. During a war... A woman and her baby were being chased by men. <laughs> I guess that means it's probably an American war. I don't think it was like the Russian-Japanese war of the late 1800s. I don't think they'd be running away at that point. They're like, oh no. A woman and her baby are running away. They're being pursued by men. So Civil War, Revolutionary War, maybe something like that. And I don't know why she did this. I'm not a mother. But <laughs> I'm not a mother. I would assume this is something you don't do. She's being pursued by these men, and she probably figures, well, I can, <laughs> I can probably run faster if I wasn't carrying a baby. Because as she's running across the bridge, she throws her baby into the water. Now, it could be that she was sparing her child the horrible torment that these, that these people are going to do to the baby. <laughs> They're like, here comes the tickle monster. She's like, no, not the tickle monster. Not again. And she's running with her baby. Who knows? They don't say if she died or not. She might have, that might have given her the extra speed to run away. She wasn't carrying eight pounds. She was able to make it home. But she throws her baby over the bridge. And then to this day, if you go to this bridge late at night, you can hear a baby crying. And if you take an unwrapped candy bar and leave it on the bridge, it'll be gone. Like I said, I have not seen this legend in any other state. And there's a lot of states with crybaby bridges. In Alabama, we have Hartzell, Phoenix City, Smith Station, 
all have stories of candy bars disappearing. So if this phenomenon is a natural phenomenon, shouldn't you see it everywhere? Also, I have the question, why are ghost hunters constantly carrying around candy in Alabama? Like, how did they even test this theory in the first place? Why were these candy bars showing up on bridges? But this phenomenon seems to only be in Alabama, despite the fact that crybaby bridges exist all around the world. Bridges over water often have these legends associated with them. And I should say bridges over water in rural areas. I don't think the Golden Gate Bridge has a lot of stories of hearing a baby crying as you're driving over it. But these bridges in the middle of nowhere with these small creeks or these small rivers, you often see these legends. But the candy eating thing is only in Alabama that I've seen in like 30 plus years of paranormal investigation. So putting on our conspiracy caps, I let, let's say that this is not raccoons or bears or me. Me, I'm part of your ghost hunting crew. And I'm like, can we go back to Crybaby Bridge? Let's test that candy thing again. They're like, sure, Jason. And they're like, also, why do you suddenly have diabetes? I don't know. Also, let's see if the ghost will eat beef jerky. That sounds delicious. And they're like, what? Let's put on our conspiracy caps here and take a look at this. If this phenomenon is paranormal, it is utterly bizarre. Because here is the thing. Where is the candy going? A, a lot of times when you look at paranormal reports, there'll be things like uh, my keys. I know I put my keys down on this table, and when I came out, they were gone. Can never find them. I had to go get new keys made. I had to go to my landlord, get keys, all that stuff. And then three months later, I find them in a location that I never would have put them. That gets wrapped up in paranormal stories a lot. Sometimes it's ghosts, sometimes it's glitch in the matrix or alternate reality stories, but the keys almost always show back up, but not all the time, right? Those things disappear as well. And it makes you ask the question, where do they go? If a chocolate bar disappears, is it leaving this reality? Is in the afterlife, is there apparently like a nursery section of heaven and St. Peter's like, dude, all these fat babies, all these fat Alabama babies are walking around. He's like, guys, I told you once, I told you a million times, quit going to Earth to eat candy. Like, are they actually devouring this? Are the babies... <laughs> babies don't eat candy anyways. I'm sure they would love to. But, like, babies are eating applesauce and stuff. <laughs> you can't give a baby a king-size Snickers. It'll kill them. It'll kill them on the spot. You'll have a new crybaby bridge. It'll be in your living room. You can't do that. So how in the world are these babies eating candy? And then you have to ask a different question. If a baby dies, it's... <laughs> this is super dark. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm shutting up the podcast. If a baby dies, it remains a baby ghost, I'm assuming, right? Because it's like gaga gooing in the water. That's why you're there to hear the baby cry. But would it have the digestive tract of an adult? You're like, no, of course not, Jason. It's a baby. Then how is it eating? How is it eating these candy bars? If we accept that it's still a baby, which would suck, right, to be a baby ghost. I mean, Casper was like an eight-year-old boy. At least he was able to get up into some hijinks. They weren't entertaining. Nobody likes Casper cartoons, but at least he could do stuff, right? He could, he could possess Richie Rich and get him addicted to methamphetamines. You could do all this stuff, but a baby ghost just apparently you just sit at the bottom of a river and cry all the time. That's horrifying. So I, maybe you would 
eat a candy bar every now and then just to ease your eternal torment. But where does it go when they take a bite? This one specifically had it taking a bite out of it. So is it in their tummy? Like, if you're trying to detect a ghost, you're like, I don't see anything. Taking a picture with my camera, you see an orb, and there appears to be a appears to be what I can only describe as half a bite of a three musketeers bar. It's all flowing around. You're like, oh, it looks pretty delicious. You're taking a you're eating the orb, you're all okay. This segment's going off the rails. This segment's going off the rails. Now you get addicted to methamphetamines as baby really wanted to get spun. That's what I really wanted you to leave out a little glass pipe and some meth. But it'll settle for a candy bar. Where does it go? Where does this candy go? Are they actually digesting it? And then the ones that are actually taking the candy bar, where it's a physical object, where does it disappear to? Does it disappear into another dimension? Does the ghost have the ability to digest it? Which would open up a whole can of worms. And the babies would probably eat those too. Whenever you're like, I swear, I bought this bag of potato chips. And sure, I did have it next to me all night long while I was watching YouTube. But I don't remember eating the whole bag. Is it possible a ghost is eating some of your potato chips? Because if a kid in Alabama, if a ghost kid in Alabama can eat a candy bar, then that opens the door to ghosts eating all sorts of things. Who knows? It's a super weird story. It's, it seems inconsequential, but I've never come across this phenomenon before. If this phenomenon is real, you have to ask that question. Your keys disappear and you can't find them. That is most likely you misplaced them. Then there's a chance that it is a glitch in the matrix, a time slip, or a paranormal phenomenon. But in these instances, like taking a bite out of a candy bar, how do you blame that on anything else other than other than raccoons, right? Other than the rational thing. Or a baby ate it. A ghost baby ate it. And if they did, where did it go? If they take the candy bar, where did the physical object go? And again, I've never seen this phenomenon replicated anywhere else. You guys may know of one. You guys may know of one. But I'll almost guarantee that it involves a bridge. And it involves, <laughs> involves a ghost baby. If you guys do find another one. But I, I, I've never seen this before. But the thing with urban legends and local ghost stories and stuff like that, some elements may carry over from Alabama to other states in the South. Or Alabama just has a serious ghost baby obesity problem that maybe we, sh maybe we should just stop feeding them. Maybe we should stop bringing candy bars on ghost hunts. Again, unless I'm a member of your ghost crew and then I demand three candy bars of my choosing. Hips, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Alabama. We're headed all the way out to Tanzania. There was a post that popped up on the X-Board the other day. I kind of chuckled to myself. I was like, man, that is a blast from the past. It's just a very simple statement. A statement that I hadn't heard in many, many years. Why don't they want us to dig? This is an old conspiracy theory. And it has its ties to other conspiracy theories. A lot of times it's tied into flat earth. But the theory goes like this. If you have a house, right? If you own property, before you do any digging whatsoever, the city that you live in, they send out officials 
to tell you where you can and can't dig. So let's say you want to put a pool in. The first thing you got to do is contact the city to make sure. So here's the rational explanation that as you're digging, you're not going to bust into a gas main and blow up the entire neighborhood or or just make yourself unconscious from gas fumes blowing in your face while you're in this deep hole. You're supposed to get permission and wait for these people to come out to tell you this is where the water lines are, this is where the gas pipe is, this is where electrical cables have been run underground. This is where you can and can't dig on your own property. That's the rational explanation. And you'll see signs, even if you don't own a home, like you'll see signs and it'll be like, don't dig here. Like this area is not permitted for digging. You'll see signs like that sometimes. And the conspiracy theory is that's not why you're not allowed to dig there. The conspiracy theory is that there's something underground that they're hiding from us. Something underground we're not supposed to know about. It's a fascinating conspiracy theory. It's old school. A lot of times, like I said, it's tied into flat earth. Like if you dug too deep, you would fall through the planet. I mean, I don't know how deep your pool's supposed to be, but why can't we dig? It's super interesting. I remember a long time, long time ago, I was looking at writing a book about how to survive Y2K. How to survive Y2K. I thought that was the most believable end of the world scenario that we could be in. And I started looking into like how to build a bunker and how to stock up on supplies. And I got two interesting tidbits of trivia from that. I never wrote the book. One was humans are the only animal that will starve itself to death other than eat the same food for a long enough time. So they said when you stock your bunker, don't fill it full of baked beans. You loved baked beans and instant pudding little jello pudding cups. If you only store it with a year's worth of that, you will starve to death. Humans have this weird mechanism. A squirrel can eat a peanut every single day from the day it's born to the day that it's died. It can subside on nothing but peanuts. Most animals will eat the same thing all the time, but humans won't. I don't know how they track for bodybuilders or fitness people who do eat like boiled chicken and rice and a little bit of broccoli. Maybe they take breaks as well, or maybe they're not human, one or the other. But yeah, that was one bit of advice I heard. And the other one was that, I don't remember where I heard this from. I'll see if I can try to find something to back it up in the show notes. But I was reading something about man, specifically males, desire to build bunkers and live underground. I thought this was fascinating because I've always thought, you know what? the Batcave would be the dopest place. I mean, now that I'm announcing this, I haven't said why you guys like doing this. It's weird, but I always thought, like, I would love to build tunnels. If I had a big yard, I would totally be digging. I'm, in Minecraft, I'm always underground. I'm really, I'm really burying myself, no pun intended, once I get to what this is about. But I always like to be underground in Minecraft. I've always thought about living in tunnels. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... They live underground, right? All, all of my favorite dudes live underground. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Actually, it's just those guys. I can't think of anyone else. But anyways, living underground. The movie Frailty. I mean, that's none, of my, that's none of my role models. Frailty, great movie, though. They're digging. The big point of that movie is them digging this big pit in the backyard. I was reading this article, and it said, Why do men like to 
dig underground? And why do a lot of men fantasize, like fantasize about living in bunkers or bat caves and stuff like that? And the author said it is a desire, because generally only men do this. It is a desire for a return to their mother's womb. Digging into the earth and tunneling into the earth gives men a sense that they are once again protected within their mother's body. Now, I I read, <laughs> I read that and I disagreed with it, obviously, right? As I'm digging my own bat cave, I totally disagreed with it. But I thought it was an interesting insight. And I think there is a compulsion. I don't know if it's only men. That's what the other was saying. But I do think there is a compulsion to dig. If you give a kid a bunch of different tools, safe tools, don't give them a hacksaw, right? Don't give them a power drill. If you gave them a bunch of different tools, a rake, a shovel, some clippers, whatever, they're going to use the shovel. Instinctively going to use the shovel. Kids love digging. So why can't we dig? Even if it's not related to flat earth, I do believe there's something in the human condition. I hope it's not the womb thing. But I think it could even go back to our troglodyte ancestors, the cave dwellers. Want to be in the earth. It's safe. It is safe. It's safer from predators, right? So why? Why aren't we allowed to dig? It's part of the human condition. It's not a big part of it. But if you could dig a giant safe bat cave in your, in your backyard, a lot of people would. But the government doesn't let us dig. They don't. You get to have to get a bunch of permits and people come out and they may say, no, you can't. There's a bunch of stuff underneath here. You can't have a pool. And there's a bunch of different conspiracy theories. There's flat earth. There's the idea that you underneath your property, there may be access to a ancient Mithras cult cave where underground worshipers gathered away from the prying eyes. And maybe the cave is still being used today, right? Maybe 10 feet or 20 feet underneath your soil, you may uncover this worship center that's being used by the rich and powerful of your community today, reenacting those old rites. Lost civilizations, right? You dig down too deep. And again, not super deep. 10, 20 feet, you may find proof that our civilization, our race, our species, are built on the backs of some sort of alien life. Some long-lost civilization that the government knows about, see? All of these are the government knows they are there, but you don't. That's why you're not allowed to dig. Mud flood theory. I'll put that episode in the show notes. You dig too deep and you could prove that the mud flood actually happened. And that is a story that in the late 1800s, mid-1800s, there was a giant wave of flood that covered the earth that destroyed a previous civilization generally connected to the Tataria Empire of Russia, which did exist. It was a Muslim empire that Russia wiped off the map. Russia, the Russian government's had issues with the Muslim faith even to the recent day. So that tracks. We do know that there was an empire called Tataria. That's all in my Mud Flood episode. I'll put that in the show notes. But all of these things, why can't we dig? And recently, the reason why I want to talk about this is I saw that thread pop up and it gave me a good chuckle because that's old school conspiracy theory and it makes sense right people who would start that conspiracy theory were people who were landowners older people people in their 30s or 40s when i was a kid you had to be pretty old before you could afford land right or you could afford a house 
So it was a conspiracy theory that was started by homeowners. Why aren't I allowed to dig? What is the government hiding from us? And to see it pop back is it's really kind of a fun. It reminded me of old conspiracy theories from the 80s. But then I was reading this story. I was reading this story on inexplicata.blogspot.com. It's a really cool website. I encourage all of you guys to go there. They cover paranormal and UFO events specifically from the Spanish-speaking world, Latin America, South America. We've covered a lot of their stuff over the years and a lot of their stuff recently. It's just a really cool website. And they recently talked about this issue in Tanzania. You guys totally forgot we were headed out there to the to the northern reaches of the Sahara Desert. And their source for this story was Miguel Segui, Segui? writing for a website called Anno Cero, which means year zero. It's actually a, a magazine more than a website, but it's, again, paranormal. That's in Spanish, so I can't really read that. But we're in the year 1959. So Hips land this carbon copter in the Sahara Desert. We're on the outskirts of the town of Gafsa. And back then, you had a lot of desert nomads working in the outskirts of this town. They're leading herds of goats and sheep. It's a hard scrabble life, right? What they notice is their livestock keeps going missing. They have no idea what's causing it. Of course, the rumors that everyone's heard. But in 1959, even in the wastelands of the Sahara Desert, you know, people are thinking, ah, I don't know, that, those old stories, I don't know, man. I don't know if I believe in monsters anymore. Until the monster attacks in front of all of these witnesses. What happens is they have this nomad camp and there's this young camel there. Someone probably just bought it straight off the factory floor. They're sitting there and then all of a sudden out of nowhere. A 14 foot long snake. Jumped up. And crushed the camel's head with its powerful jaws. The stories your grandpa told were true. They had just seen a Tagurga, also known as the Saharan Crested Snake. Because apparently, from what I understand, there are smaller versions of this snake that actually do exist. But they're not worried about those, right? I mean, obviously you would be if you were sleeping. One of these guys got into your tent. But this creature, this monster... The Saharan-crested snake was totally destroying the nomad's way of life. You kind of need your camels, right? You don't want to be walking through the Saharan desert. And maybe, you, maybe you're like, I didn't like the camel anyways. He was kind of a jerk. He kept spitting in my eye. This thing was killing humans too at this point. It's just so huge. 14 feet long for a snake. And here's the thing. The nomads in Tanzania or really most of the people who lived in Tanzania, hated the French colonial authorities. They're invaders, right? They're interlopers. But we don't think we can kill the snake on our own. We're going to need backup. So they sent some messengers out to go to the colonial authorities. And what we have is a French army detachment was sent from nearby Beni Unif, and again, you figure the officers are like a superstition, obviously. 
there's not a 14 foot long snake out there. Like as cool as that would be, these things don't exist. Now, had they read the book Exploration Scientifique de la Tanzania, published in 1884 by French archaeologist and diplomat Charles Tassot, they would have known that this thing had been reported almost 100 years ago in this scientific journal. But again, even 100 years ago, you'd figure, okay, maybe there was like one of these things, but this can't be real. Monsters don't exist. In the year 1959, monsters don't exist. So this group of French soldiers load their stuff up, and head on out to greet this nomad camp. And when they get there, they are immediately directed to a trench. Inside this long, deep trench is a giant snake. The biggest snake any of them had ever seen, 14 feet long, slithering over the remains of a dead camel. The nomads had built a trap, a trench that was covered with branches and leaves, and then they put a camel I don't know why the camel didn't set the trap off, but the snake attacked the camel. They both fell into the trap, and the French soldiers get there, and they're like, okay, well, I guess we believe you now. Time to kill it. So they pull out the rifles, and they begin shooting at this thing, and, and they are not effective at all. The bullets are not penetrating this snake's skin. So they bring out the big guns, literally. They grab a machine gun that they had brought with them, and riddle it with bullets. Once they killed it, once the thing stopped slithering around, it's dead, the French authorities figure something out. When the nomads first saw this thing, it was 14 feet long. But this snake laying in this trench was 90 feet long. Nomads couldn't explain it either. Was this a different snake? Or do the snakes grow that fast? But, you know, they didn't care. They weren't writing a scientific journal. It's dead. Now we can go back about our business. And the French soldiers were able to preserve the skin of this snake. It's recorded that they actually preserved the skin of the snake. I don't know what they did with the meat. I'm sure they had snake kebabs for the next month. But the story goes that the skin of this one was lost. They said during all of the political upheaval, eventually the French were pushed out of Tanzania, right? There was this huge rebellion. It was lost. The skin was lost. There's also a record of a smaller snake, and because there's multiple of these. There's multiple of these. So we have this 90-foot snake. There was another one that was spotted at another point in time that was only 14 feet long. That that skin was preserved. That apparently was sold to a private collector. The ones the French took, the 90-foot-long one, is gone. They said it was lost during all this political upheaval, which is generally a cover for a private collector getting it. A lot of times they'll say stuff like that. In 1967, a dam was being built in southern Morocco. And this story is told by bulldozer operator Hamza Ramani. He's driving his bulldozer. (laughs) Pushing stuff over. He's not even on the clock. He's supposed to be on his lunch break. He's like, but I just love bulldozing so much. He reminds me of being in my mother's womb. Whee! And he's driving it around. The co-workers are like, oh man, why did we hire this guy? He's such a weirdo. Hamza Ramani is driving around this bulldozer and he, he sees something. 
that no one would ever think they would ever see in their entire life. Even if you knew giant snakes existed. Even if you knew this was a thing. I had to look this up. I had to go, is this possible? I wasn't even concerned about whether or not giant snakes were possible. Because snakes this big did exist in like dinosaur times. Or a little more recent than that. But before humans, we had snakes this big. However, they were in South America. I didn't find any record of these existing in North Africa. Hamza looks over. He's driving this bulldozer. He sees a 29-foot-long snake eating the construction site's entire supply of engine grease. So obviously I looked, <laughs> I looked up, is engine grease edible? Is there anything possible in that that would be delicious? It doesn't have to be delicious, just nutritious, right? Why would a snake, or really any living thing, eat engine grease? And Hamza probably had the same question, but then he also realized, I can answer that later. Right now there's a 29-foot-long snake sitting here. He takes his bulldozer in what must be the most improper use of a construction vehicle ever. That is also really awesome. He takes his bulldozer and he runs into the snake. And, you know, like the part of the bulldozer that has, like, the the teeth, the part that actually does the dozing, the bucket, whatever you call it, the blade. I probably should have looked that up. I probably should have at least looked up what I was talking about. He takes his bulldozer and he basically rams the snake into a nearby giant rock, which he probably should have been bulldozing that, but instead he was doing donuts in it on the other side of the work site. He drives the bulldozer into the snake and basically chops it in half, killing it instantly. 29-foot-long snake, 1967. 1968, at the same dam. In 1968, a 32-foot-long snake is sighted at the dam. 1970, 49-foot-long snake spotted at the dam. There's no reports that they called in Hamza and be like, hey, I know it's your day off, but it's back. And he's like driving his bulldozer from home. That's his only vehicle. It's super slow. He's like, oh man, this commute sucks. He's just driving over the other cars. Get out of the way. There's no report on what happened to these guys. Here is my thing. I love this story, first off. Giant monsters, always really cool. Giant monsters versus modern technology. Mwah! Chefs kiss that all day long. I love that stuff. I could watch soldiers fighting the Cloverfield monster all day long. Great, great story. But when I was reading about the dam, I thought, dude, that would wake up everything. Those massive construction projects that take months or years, imagine if you're underground. Imagine it, because these things pop out of nowhere. Imagine if you're underground in a series of tunnels and someone decides to build 3,000 tons of structure on top of your house. And day and night, your ceiling is vibrating. Like, that's going to wake up beasts that the world believed was lost. It would wake up creatures that, although they appeared in a French scientific manual on the area, you would just assume those were just the stories of ignorant natives that were telling this French archaeologist thing, and he, he got super scared and he wanted to put it in his book. But these things don't exist. And even though someone may have seen them back then, it's just superstitions. Monsters don't exist. But as you build this superstructure, 
on top of their home, they will prove that they exist. These creatures could be everywhere. When we talk about Bigfoot, we talk about these cryptids and everything like that. These are these creatures that we see or want to see because they interact with us on the surface world. But I believe there is so much right underneath our feet. I believe if you dig deep enough, you will find cave systems where life has evolved in a vacuum for millions of years. You have these areas that has a viable food chain that has adapted to a world with no light, heat, geothermal energy, but no light. They have a food chain. And when a life form lives long enough, when it is at the top of the food chain, in the right circumstances, it will gain intelligence or at least be smarter than anything else down there. And as it continues to gain dominance and continues to learn how to get the right resources and eat right and have the right vitamins and minerals and things like that, their brain improves. They may even become conscious of their own reality. Out of all the conspiracy theories that we talk about, specifically conspiracy theories, I believe the story of things underneath the ground is one of the most likely. Dig deep enough, you will find something dark and inhuman. Unrecognizable to the surface world. These snakes coming out of the ground, they weren't that deep. But they were deep enough to remain undetected for long periods of time. And when they wanted to, they would come up and they would eat you. How many other lone travelers had been killed by these creatures that you never heard about? You just figured they died in the desert. But when nomads are constantly tromping around their hunting grounds, what else are they going to do? They're going to start eating more because there's more food. But if you dig deep enough past the gas mains, past the sewer system, even past the snakes, the creatures that we don't believe exist anymore. If you dig deep enough, you won't fall out of the earth. But you will wish you had. Because within the naturally formed cave systems, underneath civilization, lies an alien species that is native to earth they evolved alongside of us and we don't even know they're there why is geothermal energy with all of its benefits never truly accessed why does the government build these massive facilities underground and within mountains but you can't dig a well Why won't they let us dig? Is it because they're trying to hide the existence of monsters from us? Or are they trying to hide us from the monsters?
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.